0: Hello there everybody and welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converge. It's the middle of the month of May. The things, the things, the teams continue to roll on here as we continue with WNBA regular season, major league baseball regular season, the NFL schedule release. Uh, the Seawolves continue their season in MLR with some not so good updates about mm-hmm. that. The NWSL mm-hmm. season continues, so things are chugging along here. So uh, with that being said, we will jump right over to the NFL schedule release for our Seattle Seahawks with Bell. Bell, take yeah. it away.
1: So the past week, the schedule was released. I think that was released on the 12th. We'll go through that here. The preseason schedule, week one, we have um, the Seahawks at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Week two, they are playing here against the Chicago Bears. Week three, at the Dallas Cowboys. And then let's dive right into the regular season here. Week one, we get to see a matchup against Russell Wilson. Um, that will be against the Denver Broncos, and that's a 5:15 game. game. Um, do we have a date for that?
0: No. Uh, that's yeah. I didn't. I missed that one. It's just so. It's a Monday night game, so it's. I think it's part of the week one doubleheader. They yeah. always have the doubleheaders on week one. That's that had to be purposeful.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean,
0: so that's that'll be a fun matchup to see. But it'll be really, really interesting to see the reception um, that Russell gets when he comes back to Seattle. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who cheers him, who boos him. Mm-hmm. How the overall re- response will be. That'll be a uh, an interesting game, and it'll be really interesting to see how this roster uh, performs because obviously there's a lot of new pieces it's uh i mean i'm gonna prepare for not the best outcome just because again this is probably a team that's gonna need probably a couple weeks to figure it out but Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and while it's a good matchup that's also kind of what i've hoped for when they faced the broncos is that they at least had a couple of of games to get into rhythm before they faced off but we get them week one. So let's go ahead and keep moving forward here. Week two at the San Francisco 49ers week three versus Atlanta Falcons week four at Detroit lions week five at New Orleans saints week six versus the Arizona Cardinals week seven at the Los Angeles chargers week eight versus the New York giants week nine at the Arizona Cardinals week 10 at Tampa Bay. Um, week 11 is our bye week Week 12 versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Week 13 at the Los Angeles Rams. Week 14 versus the Carolina Panthers. Week 15 versus San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Week 16 at the Kansas City Chiefs. And week 17 versus the New York Jets. Last, um, our again added week here, (laughs) week 18 versus the LA Rams. Um, And before I ask you what games kind of stood out to you here, I will go ahead and say that, Week six against the the Cardinals stood out to me just because that will be the last game that DeAndre Hopkins is on suspension. So, hey, we get a matchup against the Cardinals, our division rivals, without one of their star wide receivers. Of course, they do have um, Marquise Hollywood Brown, so it'll be interesting to see how they adjust to him. But you don't have to worry about Hopkins out there, so at least that's a plus.
0: Yeah, and I know in, in, since the time that he's been a Cardinal, I, I don't remember who it was specifically that uh, was on him, but there was a certain corner where they just went after him again and again and again mm-hmm. with Hopkins. Playing against one of the best receivers in the world is less than ideal. Having right. to avoid that, pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's a, a good point there. You know, It's important. I think you were talking about that where we would be playing them – Uh, in regards to his suspension. So that's good. I just, I am curious, you know, at least we'll get this out of the way. The bye week for years has been an issue with Seattle, whether it's early or not. Mm -hmm. Week 11 is pretty solid. You know, week 11, and then I think that was pointed out, uh, four of the five games to end the season for Seattle are at home. So I know that, again, in recent years, Loman Field hasn't necessarily been this home field advantage that it has been – since it opened as Seahawks Stadium and then Quest Field, Century Link Field, now Lumen Field. Um, but that's got to be advantageous. It's better to get that out of the way, I think, all those road games and then come and play at home. But
1: Especially, I don't know.
0: I wanted to talk to you about that, like an interesting stretch of the season that you had to get through. And we were looking at them. I don't know if that stretch isn't necessarily, and I consider stretch three games or more. Yeah. Because there are several two game points here. Mm-hmm. If we look back at it, you that know, tough. Uh, Playing the Broncos and then the Niners right after, that's a lot of talent Mm -hmm. on the offensive side Mm -hmm. of the ball. Falcons, Detroit, not really worried about. Saints, kind of a question mark. Cardinals, they're always pesky. It's a divisional game. So Cardinals and then, so yeah, Broncos, Niners, and then Cardinals, Chargers. You know, Chargers, they're a damn good team, and they've got a lot of talent. And that's, I mean, we look at the AFC West already. That's a loaded division. Yeah. And the Chargers, I would hope that they would be, considering my bias and not wanting Denver to do well, you know, I would hope that the chargers would be one of those better teams. And I'm assuming they will be, but you look at Arizona, Arizona chargers game, uh, and then, uh, play that chargers game, play the giants, not too worried about the giants, but the last time they were here, uh, I think it was Colt McCoy and they, they beat us. That was a terrible game. <laughs> um, and then after that week nine and week 10 at the Cardinals and then at the Buccaneers game. in the Germany game. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just seems like there's a bunch of two offs. Is there anything else? Obviously, the Cardinals game sticks out, but is there anything else that sticks out to you about the schedule?
1: No, and I think you're right. That that two game at the Cardinals, and then you have to travel all the way to Germany to play the Buccaneers. Um, Also, towards the end of the schedule here, you play the 49ers at home, and then you travel to Kansas City for the last road game. Um, So that one looks a little tough as well, but nothing, like you said, not really a stretch of games there um and it is important to note here that they are they weren't scheduled for any sunday night football games
0: and obviously games can be flexed but unless seattle hits a roll i don't think that's gonna gonna happen no and i'm okay with it i mean this is again a roster that's gonna figure things out even if drew lock or geno smith is gonna be the quarterback they're gonna need to figure things out um and unless, yeah, unless one of them comes out, wins a starting job and gets on a roll, I don't see any of those Sunday night games being played. And that's fine because I don't expect this. I know that the mantra has been this is a team that wants to contend right away, Yeah. right? But I don't see that happening necessarily this year. I know that I think next week we'll look at that and we'll look at the, you know, win-loss kind of thing. We'll give our predictions on that. Mm-hmm. But I don't see this right now as a roster that says, hey, we're going to come out, we're going to compete. You know, and we're going to battle for one of the playoff spots in an NFC West that has the 49ers who have a ton of talent on offense but are being held back by Jimmy Garoppolo. I will say that right now. I don't care. A Cardinals team that has a lot of talent on that offense, obviously without DeAndre Hopkins for six games, mm-hmm. but still a lot of danger on that team. A defense that has a lot of talent as well. Don't even have to mention the Rams right. and what they're <laughs> capable of. So, I mean, it's going to be tough. And unless you get a proven commodity and, and unless. I'm going to say it's going to be Drew Locke, but unless Drew Locke or Geno Smith can be an average to above average guy, I don't see that happening. So I'm not too concerned about not getting prime time this year. When we had a guy like Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner on the team, yeah, why are we not getting more primetime yeah. matchups? But we don't. Yeah, so it's not that much of a concern to me.
1: And you mentioned how a stretch to you means three weeks straight, right? So the bye week crushing that right in the middle of a – Kind of a stretch. Wouldn't consider you wouldn't consider that a stretch because um, looking at this now, they do go yeah. play the Cardinals. Then they play Tampa Bay. They have that bye week in week eleven, but then they come back and face the the Raiders. The Raiders, and then right after that, they're in Los Angeles for the Rams. Yeah.
0: So I guess I guess the rant the 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 that four game stretch, not including the bye week, is yeah. kind of that would be the sort of the death the gauntlet to run mm-hmm. effectively. Uh, but that bye week obviously softens things. Yeah, so for sure. We'll, and with injuries, the way things have played out for Seattle in recent years, uh, getting a late bye week, yeah. So I think that softens the blow, but that's definitely a good yeah. a good point out on that.
1: All right. Moving past the schedule here, there were some roster moves on the 13th, uh, all wide receiver roster moves. They signed Deontay Alexander and Kevin Cassis. They waved Matt Cole, Jake Herslow, John Mitchell, and Dimitri Robertson. Um, on May 16th, which was today, we just received the news that they signed corner Elijah Jones and tackle Liam Ryan. Um, and that about covers it for our Seahawks there. And so we can move on to a league news now. Um, former Jack's kicker suing organization, Josh Lambeau seeking his fully, fully, full 2021 salary and damages for emotional distress after receiving abuse from Urban Meyer. Um does that surprise you at all? No, <laughs> no,
0: it's that whole. I mean, I think Jaguars owner Shad Khan spoke about it, but anything related to Meyer is just it's always negative from now in here on out that I've seen. And it's its not a surprise. Yeah. So I hope I hope Lambo gets paid in full for that. Yeah. It's just disappointing to see any news continue to come out uh from that era.
1: Yeah, so hopefully he gets uh, appropriately compensated there. On the 12th, um, Jerry Judy was arrested. Arrested. He faces misdemeanor domestic violence charges in Colorado. Um, he did have a dispute with a woman who they share a baby with. Um, mm. Nothing to nothing physical. He kept some of her belongings in his car because she had one of his belongings, and it sounds like it all could have been avoided. But anywho. Um, he did get arrested and then was released because of that. No physical contact with a woman prior to the rest. So we'll see how the, all that pans out. And if he gets anything in terms of.
0: Uh, maybe a fine. From the yeah. I don't see anything like a suspension, probably a yeah. fine, if anything
1: on the 13th, Jarvis Landry agreed to sign with the New Orleans Saints on a one year deal. So, um, The Browns lose Jarvis Landry there, and he will be playing in New Orleans now. On the 14th, more details on Earl Thomas's latest incident arose. Former Seahawks safety Earl Thomas was reportedly arrested Friday night after an arrest warrant was issued for him in April because he violated the protective order two or more times within 12 months. That's considered a third-degree felony. Um, Thomas is only allowed to contact his wife, who has filed for divorce, on a co-parenting app. Thomas refused to download the app, threatening her and their children. Um, Thomas reportedly said that he hopes his wife's car drives off the road with the children in it and also allegedly wanted to talk about wanting members of his family to poison the children. So not good news for Earl Thomas there. And of course, that doesn't help his attempt to play again, which I don't think is... I don't think he'll ever... um, Yeah, I don't see that happening, but definitely doesn't help. Um, on the 15th, Drew Breeze's future was kind of questioned. Um, a report came out about Brees leaving N- NBC as an analyst, and then Brees tweeted, despite speculation from media about my future this fall, I am currently undecided. I may work for NBC. I may play football again, and I may focus on business and philanthropy. I'll let you know. So a couple of questions on whether he'll come back and play, but
0: <laughs> I don't know. That kind of seems doubtful. Like, yeah. like you and I were talking about before the, uh, we started here. He, he wasn't good in the last few seasons that he played. So I, I don't know. I don't know what that's about. Maybe he just doesn't feel at home in the analyst booth.
1: Sure. Uh, moving forward here on the 16th, Sean Payton might be joining Fox. Payton won't be too far from the NFL next season as he will fill a few roles with Fox. Um, And that about covers it for our Seahawks here. The only thing looking ahead that we have now is in late July, which is NFL training camp. So we'll make sure to report more on news as we have it here. And we'll go ahead and move on to our Seattle Mariners now.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, the past week for the Mariners, I mean, the past homestand against the Rays and the Phillies has not, wasn't too kind. I know that we went over the end of the road trip against the Astros and then the beginning of the series, the homestand against the rays which wasn't ideal already uh with that being said we look at this series against the philadelphia phillies a team that's got a lot of talent up and down their starting lineup let Mm -hmm. alone um their pitching uh we look here at this three game series against the phillies may 9th versus the phillies a 0-9 loss obviously i don't no player of the game there that was just an embarrassing game to be a part of uh, I mean, it was Chris Flexen's start day, and Chris has been a part of I think four or five shutouts now that the Mariners have played in, and he's pitched well in uh, the majority of them. I think this one was the lone uh, outlier. I mean, nine runs—it was just difficult. You're playing against guys like Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, Reese uh, Hoskins, Nick Castellanos. It was—it was a brutal game. That zero to nine loss—it was hard to watch. Uh, Made tenth versus the Phillies a five to four win, so they come back and rebound pretty well. Uh, Player of the game, first baseman Ty France going two for three with one run, one RBI and one walk. Robbie Ray had the start there. So Ray Day uh, striking out 10, the first manner to do so this season uh, in a game, May 11th versus the Phillies to play the rubber match and to wrap up that series at two to four loss. Uh, So Seattle drops the series to the Phillies there. Play of the game. Once again, Ty France going two for four with an RBI. So, you know, we look at that. I mean, again, this is a Philly roster that's really solid. Um, It's got a lot of firepower already you know bryce harper is one of the best players in the league already he's dealing with the ucl injury and he's playing dh and he's still producing for them um there's talent up and down this roster gene shigura a former mariner reese hoskins had three home runs in three days against the mariners which wasn't ideal including a uh, a grand slam i believe in that final game so reese hoskins raised hell it was a tough game it was a tough series Uh, And then it didn't get any easier for the Mariners with this road trip that we talked about, you know, the Mets. And we'll look at these Mets scores in a second. But then now, starting today, they'll play Toronto in Toronto, which some of the players will not be able to play in that series because they're unvaccinated. Unvaccinated players cannot play in Canada, let alone enter the country, I believe. And then going down to play the Red Sox. And I know that their records aren't the best right now, but these are ball clubs that I expect to turn it on and expect to be in the playoff race once we come summer. Mm -hmm. So it following tough series against the rays who have been in the playoffs for years now and may turn the corner this year i don't know for sure and the phillies who i expect to be in the playoffs and then go on this road trip it's not any easier for the mariners and they got to figure things out they go to play the mets who going into this series i believe were 22 and 11 had not lost a series to anyone at all um so Seattle comes to town. I believe for the first time since 2008, they go to play at City Field May 13th at the Mets. A two to one win. Player of the game, first baseman Ty France, and a trend here. Ty hey France, one of the best hitters <laughs> in baseball, let alone the American League. Uh, going one for three with a run and an RBI. Obviously part of um, one of the two runs there. Marco Gonzalez had a great start, only giving up the one run. May 14th at the Mets, losing that one four to five. So it's a one-run game. Yeah. Not, not bad playing against one of the best teams in baseball at the moment. Uh, player of the game, left fielder Jesse Winker going two for four with a run, three RBIs, and a walk. And just for some background on that game, Winker, I think it was that three-run homer that he hit. And there's some history with Winker mm-hmm. uh, since his time with the Reds. Uh, so he gave the fans a little, a nice little home run trot around the uh, around the base pass and a nice some waving uh, once he, he hit home plate, uh, which was it was fun. There was some discourse uh, with this Philly series, and we'll get to that in this final game here of the series. So win one, lose one, playing the rubber match of the series, May 15th at the Mets, winning that game 8-7, to probably closer than it should have been. The Mariners had an 8-4 to lead at one point. Player of the game, though center fielder and rookie julio rodriguez going four for four two runs two rbis a walk hitting his second homer um, of his career and with that four for four game becoming the youngest mariner with a four-hit game since alex rodriguez back in 1996 we'll get more to julio in a second but that met series you know you're playing one of the best teams in baseball you're the first team uh, to win a series against them all season it's pretty good and i know last year uh, this minor ball club was struggling. They played a two-game, I believe, it was a two-game set against the Padres then in San Diego, and they got shelled in one of those games. And people are like, "Hey, what are we expecting this year?" Mm-hmm. You know. And then they turned things around from that point on. Is that Met series the turning point? I cannot tell you for sure because obviously we just it just happened. Right. But that definitely could. You play one of the best teams in baseball. The bats wake up decently you know jesse winker getting to the form that we had hoped he would be when the news broke while we were recording that we had traded for him uh you know marco had a solid start in that game robbie ray could really have improved in the start that he pitched in um but overall you know it it was a positive series i'd say so uh we will get over to player of the week here and it was easy there was no differentiating differentiating opinions we both had uh center fielder Julio Rodriguez over the past week in 23 plate appearances, nine hits, two runs, one double, one homer, four RBIs, 13 total bases, two walks, a 391 batting average. So just a 391 batting average over the past seven days, uh, a 440 on base percentage, a 565 slugging percentage, and a 1.005 on base plus slugging. So I know that when the season started, right, there might have been some hiccups with Julio. Oh, you know, he's figuring stuff out though. He's what, 22 now? You know, I, uh, twenty-two. I think he might be 20, twenty-one. Twenty-one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, you know, he's a young guy. He's got. He's only going to get better. Uh, he's now th- hitting for the month of May. He's hitting three forty-six and two sixty-four for the season as a whole, which is fourth best on this ball club. Mm-hmm. So, for a twenty-one-year-old to be hitting the fourth best on this team, does it have its caveats? Would you like for other guys to be stepping up? Yes, but Julio continues to improve. He's, There's only up. He can only continue to learn more and more. And he's got each row on this ball club to learn from Ken Griffey juniors in the organization. Still Mm -hmm. Edgar Martinez, I've seen him around the ball club still. So, you know, it's, it's incredible to continue to see his success. He's getting better in the outfield. I know he'd made some mistakes, but, He he continues to be as advertised. I mean, do you have anything you'd want to add on to that?
1: Yeah, it's not too far in the season, and to see him improving this much already is a great sign. Um, I think he had that one homer that tied the game at 5-5. and
0: Yes, I believe it was a tie. And
1: then he now, Rodriguez joins Ken Griffey Jr. and Alex Rodriguez as the only Mariners players 21 or younger to reach base five times in one game. So, um he's not just stealing bases anymore No, he's stepping up and it's exciting to see
0: and and i like that you mentioned the base running because there was a key point that said if he can put the base running and the hitting offense of his uh hitting aspect of his offense together that's a really Mm -hmm. dangerous thing to do because obviously some guys are great hitters but they don't really provide you much on the base pass so no i mean the hey, if he can continue to contribute and continue to grow, that's one of the best things you can take from this season. For so sure. good good point out on that. Uh, heading over to injury news, which, again, is never fun, as we always tell you. Uh, they're kind of – they're updates. So they're not the worst thing in the world. We get a better idea of what's going on. Um, on the 12th, we got some injury updates on some players, including Mitch Hanniger. Hanniger uh could be out until July. DePoto said that the team has not established a timeline. So kind of a differentiating opinion there with these – ankle sprains is kind of hard to tell depending on the uh what the severity of it is uh but it could be out until july so we might not see mitch for a while uh kyle lewis the team likes how he's hitting in triple a with the rainiers on in tacoma not encouraged necessarily by how he feels after a day of playing defense uh but he's continuing to build up uh strength and continuing to get back into the routine, may be able to join the team uh, during the later part of the road trip. We'll see about that. Uh, Tom Murphy, if everything goes great, he could be with us here by the end of the trip, but we'll wait and see no timeline on him. So uh, again, kind of a could be at the end of the road trip uh, against the Red Sox. We'll see about that. And then Sergio Romo, Sergio will be on the plane with us as what Scott service said uh, in that Wednesday game before uh, against Philly. And then he has since joined the club. So Romo's back, but You look at that right really quickly tom murphy your best hitting catcher at the moment probably your best catcher in general at the moment kyle lewis 2020 rookie of the year and a guy who swings a good bat and mitch hanniger a guy who is a valuable addition to this offense as well so i mean you're missing some offense and you're you win a series against the mets it's not the worst thing in the world uh continuing to chug along here as we look at team related news uh, a bunch of roster related stuff but it's important to look at this today considering mm-hmm. as we mentioned the unvaccinated thing <laughs> unvaccinated players cannot enter canada um and that series against the blue Jays starts today actually um so with roster related news on the 11th the mariners traded for uh traded infielder donovan walton to the giants for red-handed pitcher prelander uh Barola?
1: i think barroa yeah
0: okay um May thirteenth, a bunch of moves were made, eight to be exact. Uh, Sergio Romo was reinstated from the injured list. Steven Souza Jr. was selected from Triple A Tacoma. Mike Ford reports to the club. Adrian Sampson was claimed off of waivers from the Cubs. Jared Kelnick and Denny Young were optioned to Tacoma. And as you see the photo of Kelnick that we've gotten here by Matt Bermudas, a great. I, I told I Matt love today that photo. I, that's it's a really damn good photo. The pink really popped. He did a great job. Um, there's a quote from Service about how Kelnick handled. Being sent down to Tacoma saying, stepping back right now is the right thing. And he understands it. He wasn't totally shocked. Obviously, he's going through this before being sent down. The reaction last year was much different than it was today. And quickly, I want to address this. I think this was the right move. I get it. He's been seeing the ball well. The coaches Mm -hmm. have been talking about his defense in right field. But ultimately, if you cannot hit off-speed pitching, if you can't hit the curveball, can't hit the changeup, can't hit the slider, a bunch of pitchers in this league are going to have their way with you um he's still 22 a prime in major league baseball is 26 27 i'm not worried about jared kelnick i'm not worried about it and i know that through as many at bats nobody is this this and that there's always a first for everything and i think he's got the talent he's got the support around him to be able to do that but there's so much pressure put on by the fans and even probably by himself I think the general messaging was to send him down to tacoma and to learn how to f- have fun playing this game again because at the end of the day you are playing a game you're playing a game for money you're playing a game to entertain people you gotta get back to basics i think you have to get back to basics and a lot of the time you see him he's in his head when he's up there he's in his own head so i think he needs a reset i think he needs a yeah. reset you've got the outfielder depth you've got the log jam to be able to be okay with that like when Kyle Lewis and Mitch Haniger come back, Jared probably would have been sent down anyway. Yeah. So sure. I think I think it's the right thing to happen, and I think just let him once he figures it out and is able to just enjoy it again. Hey, bring him back, and then we will have to decide what we do with one of those outfielders.
1: Do you think that Julio also being a young guy and having the kind of success that he's having puts extra pressure on Kellner? I
0: think in a way it does. Yeah uh but a lot of the reaction that we've seen between interaction that i've seen with them has been good yeah like friends about it so i don't think it's like oh i hate you that you're here and you're doing well (laughs) but i have you have to think about that though right Mm -hmm. because if someone else comes up in your same position and is doing well and is around your age you're gonna think oh shoot it's like a toy story when he drops woody i don't want to play with you anymore i think he's gonna be fine I think it does get into his head again, but that, that goes back into the mental aspect of it. Yeah, I think he's sure. so in over his head that he needs to reset. So that's that's my piece on that. I know okay. there's a lot of people. Oh, I didn't, I expected this. I get that. And I get the people who want to give up. But at the end of the day, he's 22. Relax Push a little. Push the
1: brakes. <laughs> yeah.
0: So we'll continue with roster moves here. Uh, after the Kelnick and Young moves, uh, Stuart Fairchild was optioned to Triple A Tacoma and then designated for assignment. Johan Ramirez was designated for assignment and Mike Ford that same day. Obviously he reported to the club, but he was acquired via trade for cash consideration. So sent him down to the giants for cash traded back for him from the giants for <laughs> cash. Um, on the 14th, Danny young was recalled from Triple Tacoma, and Eric Swanson was placed on the 15 day injured list with right shoulder inflammation. Uh, on the 15th, the team acquired infielder, Alex Blandino and cash from San Francisco. So a lot of moves from San Francisco yeah. this year In exchange for Stuart Fairchild, so uh, wish you the best, Stuart. And then on the 16th, the team selected left-handed pitcher Rowenis Elias from AAA Tacoma um, and placed Drew Steckenrider on the restricted list. So, Steckenrider, the first move there in relation to the vaccination moves. Uh, you'll notice that Robbie Ray would have started one of these games, but his start has been moved, was moved to Sunday, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, wait. Oh, the start was moved to one of the games that wasn't in Toronto. Yeah. So, uh, interesting to see if there are any moves that are made the rest of the day. The game starts in about two hours. So we'll see. I know that I don't think Adam Frazier is in the lineup in the, in the lineup today. So that could be another move. But at the moment um, I could have seen it. Nope. Nothing, nothing else is happened. Okay. So um, we'll continue with that. In league related news on the 9th of May, the MLB announced that they will hold events in London. Uh, the MLB announced a commitment to hold major events in London over the next five years including regular season games in 2023 24 and 2026 on the 10th uh, angels rookie throws a no hitter reed detmers throws a no hitter at the age of just 22 years old becoming the youngest in angels history the first solo no hitter of the season on the 11th the houston astros owner wants fans to acknowledge the yankees cheating astros owner jim crane says that he'd keep my mouth shut If he were New York Yankees uh, general manager Brian Cashman, who mentioned sign-stealing schemes, I don't want to comment on the Astros because I don't like them as an organization. Uh, Also, that day, Christian Yelich hit for the cycle. It is the third time in his career that he's achieved defeat All three of them have come against the Cincinnati Reds, so it seems like he's kind of bullying (laughs) on the Reds there. And then also that day, White Sox versus Guardians was postponed as multiple COVID cases within the Cleveland organization were announced, Uh, so that game had to be rescheduled. On the 15th, uh, the Reds, and we just talked about the Reds being hit for the cycle, Uh, the punches keep coming. The Reds lost despite not allowing a hit, a combined no-hit attempt which was spearheaded by rookie Hunter Green, was raced as the Reds lost on a fielder's choice, so the bases were loaded. Art Warren, former Mariner, actually was pitching, and a fielder's choice, the Pirates scored a run, and so that no-hit doesn't really matter. Uh, It's kind of funny. That is really rare to happen. Uh, And then also on the 15th, Albert Pujols pitches. For the first time in his 22-year career, uh, the legendary player becomes the second oldest in major league history to uh pitch to have his pitching debut uh against the giants so that was kind of cool but anyway we'll keep moving here uh so as i mentioned big road trip coming up we look at the rest of that road trip as the Mariners said at a 16 and 19 record third in the american league west uh, may 16th through 18th versus the blue jays the 16th and 17th is a forest 07 start uh oh! Wait no, they're all 407 starts. My apologies.
1: 407? That's so specific. <laughs> yeah, it's it's
0: always funny seeing stuff like that. And then a four-game stretch against the Boston Red Sox, May 19th through 22nd. May 19th and 20th are for 10 p.m. starts. May 21st is a 110 p.m. start, and then May 22nd on Sunday is a 10:35 a.m. start, uh, Pacific time. That is. So, uh, with that being said, we'll head over to our storm here, who. Uh, Played the Mercury, a familiar foe, over, what, two day games over four days?
1: Yeah, they had to weather a storm there. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Um, On May 11th, they were in Phoenix, and they lost that 77-97. to Our player of the game is Jewel Lloyd with 26 points, two assists, and five rebounds. And then three days later, the Phoenix Mercury came to town, and... That one was very close, but the Storm just couldn't hold on and they lost again 64 to 69. And not a surprise, our player of the game again is Jewel Lloyd, and she basically had the exact same performance. Um, another 26.3 assists and five rebound performance for Jewel. Um, anything that stood out to you that you'd like to mention here?
0: I mean, we'll get to it in injury news, but obviously yeah. losing the best player in the world. Um, Your backup point guard who's performing really well this season and not having Mercedes Russell still still factors into that. I know that there was some panic. But at the end of the day, you're missing three players who are starting caliber or, I mean, in Pips, uh, in her regard, like six six women. I'm not too worried about it. You're playing Phoenix, a team that, as we talked about, to lead into the season has a ton of talent. They obviously are still missing Brittany Griner, and we have an update on that that we'll get to but they have a ton of talent on that roster. You and I were looking at it in the press conference. That starting five is insane. And then to have Diamond (laughs) the Shields off the bench to not have Brittany Griner still, who at times has been one of the most dominant players in the WNBA.
1: Speaking of dominant players, um, the team did hold Tina Charles to only four points in that second matchup. Um, The defense overall was great. I mean, you can tell just by how much they allowed the Mercury to score in that second game. They only got 69 points compared to that first matchup where they got 97.
0: And you you talk about, you know, the difference there and holding the Mercury to those points. Obviously, the difference was you look over at the Storm offense, Jewel Lloyd had also 26 points, mm-hmm. which is great, but nobody else scored in double figures. No. That's an issue. Yeah. You know, and I really liked Steph Talbot's performance, stepping up in Brianna Stewart's yes. absence, but she did not get double points. She got 14 rebounds, which is a career high for her but didn't hit double digits. Gabby Williams kind of struggled from the field. She did, and then she Uh, struggled
1: with a couple fouls to start the game.
0: Yep. Stuber also struggled. I didn't hit her basket, her first bucket, until, what, five minutes left in in the third third, period? yeah. So, you know, as it's been pointed out, you need more offensive contributions from this roster. Beyond January, I think she had some tough buckets, but she could not hit from the field. And that's something we knew about. But once once January and Williams are able to hit their stride from the field, then I'm more worried... You know, if I'm another team in the league, but again, having Stewie out, having Pip out, and yeah. then not even thinking about having Russell in there, I'm not too worried about it. Like Noelle Quinn said in the press conference, see us in a couple months. Exactly. I think once, you, even even in a month, I think they'll be fine.
1: So. Yeah. Moving on to, as Chuck mentioned, some injury news here. Um, There were some untimely scratches right before the matchup with Phoenix at 4.19 p.m. on the 11th. Epiphany Prince is ruled out due to health and safety protocols. And then right after that, at 5.49 p.m., Brianna Stewart is ruled out due to health and safety protocols. Um, Stewie tweeted, fly commercial, they said. Um, And she wasn't the only one that was sounding off on that. There were other WNBA players, I believe, that um, had concerns over the exact same thing. Um, Stewie's health and safety protocol outfit was a Brittany Griner Jersey that day. So that was cool to see. Um, Stewie continues to support the free BG cause and tweets every single day, how many days it's been since we've had uh Brittany Griner back home. So, um, Moving on to the 13th, here the injury report versus the Mercury again out was Mercedes Russell with that non basketball injury, Epiphany Prince on health and safety, and Stewie on health and safety. On the 14th, um, there was an injury report update from head coach Noel Quinn. Brianna Stewart and Epiphany Pris- Prince should be good to go for this Wednesday's matchup against the Chicago Sky, but there has been no official word yet, and actually. I am lying as I am saying that because we do have an update on epiphany prints um, here in a minute. Uh, Mercedes Russell continues to progress well in her rehab and on court workouts, but there's no official word on her return. Again, no, not even any clarity on what that injury is. No.
0: And it was interesting, you know, when we've talked about this trying to get some sort of update uh, from coach, but you know, at the practice before that last game, I was, I mean, Russell was the only player on the court about, 10 minutes after practice had ended shooting looked fine, but obviously it's really interesting to think about what that might be. Cause we don't know. Right. And in any update that the uh, official team has given us, it says, Oh, three to five weeks. We'll update you when we know more. Yeah. What does that mean? It's very big. And it's, it's, you know, you're starting, you're losing somebody who played starting minutes for you a lot last year and has over the time that she's been in the W has consistently gotten better. So wouldn't you want to have you, you, Yeah, it's an interesting situation.
1: When we were sitting in the press conference room, um, there was a question regarding Mercedes Russell for head coach Noah Quinn, and I hoped that maybe she would slip up and say at least what body part we're talking about here, but she was very good at not doing so. (laughs) Um, As we move on here to team notes, on the 11th at 4.23 p.m., the Storm announced that they would sign guard Reyna Perez to a hardship contract, likely due to the injuries to Prince and Stewart. Um, on the 13th, the Storm announced that they signed Kayla Davis to a hardship contract as well. I don't think she saw any minutes. Um, and then the injury report versus the Mercury again for that second matchup out again, the exact same people, Mercedes-Russell non-basketball, Epiphany, and Brianna Stewart on health and safety. On the 16th, which is today, the Storm released Re- Reina Perez and they activated Piff. So, at least we know for sure that we get her back for the matchup against the Chicago Sky. But, did do we not join that list before her? What did I just... No. No? Okay. No. So, I I, same you know, day though, we'll right? We'll
0: probably hear about that today or tomorrow. But, I would expect to hear about that before yeah. Wednesday's matchup. But, we'll see. Obviously, we'll talk about it with Chicago when we play them. Well, after we play them. But... You're playing against Candace Parker and Mm -hmm. the reigning defending champs. I know that they're missing a few pieces from that championship team, but it's still going to be – they're still defending their title. So it won't be easy. And having Brianna Stewart back would be huge.
1: It would be, yes. Um, Moving on to some league notes here. News on Brittany Griner. Um, Brittany Griner was honored by the Phoenix Suns. The Sun will honor WNBA star by displaying her initials jersey number on the court for the remainder of the playoffs. And unfortunately, that did not – actually go for as long because the sun's lost yesterday so <laughs> there's the end of that um britney griner's pretrial detention extended by a month uh and russia lists asking price in exchange for griner russia is looking to exchange griner in prisoner swap for notorious convict convicted arms trafficker victor bell um the WNBA players association association joins online petition demanding that lawmakers prioritize her safe return home they said, it is imperative that the U.S. government immediately address this human rights issue and do whatever is necessary to return Brittany home quickly and safely. Um, this is not the first time that her pretrial has been extended, so hopefully it's the last. But um, yeah, just continuing to follow this and hopefully Brittany Griner is home soon. Um, our record for the Seattle Storm sits at one in three, and they are fifth in the Western Conference. And... The words from Noel Quinn resonate with me when she said that the Chicago sky were 16 and 16 last season and they were able to compete and win that championship. So no need to panic yet. Um, like Chuck said, come check them out in a month and see where they're at looking ahead on May 18th, they are playing the Chicago sky. That's a 7 PM gay game May 20th. They are playing, Playing home again versus the LA Sparks, and that's also a 7 p.m. game. And it's important to note here that their next seven games are at home um, here at Climate Pledge Arena.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, just to again touch on that with looking at having those three players out, mm-hmm. worrying about the season at all, you've got seven games at home. Yeah. You've got time to figure it out, like Julie Lloyd is talking about. You've got time to practice, get those, like Gabby Williams and Brianna January joined beyond January, join that roster right around the time that things began. They'll figure it out. I mean, seven games at home is kind of unprecedented, I think, but that'll be interesting to look at. So uh, with that being said, we switch over to our Sounders here, who after a tough past week, uh, I mean, it was kind of a mixed week for them, uh, playing in uh, Starfire on May 11th versus the San Jose Earthquakes in the U.S. Open Cup round of 32 game, losing that game. The regulation score was 2-2, two two, but in penalties, they would lose 9-10. to 10. Player of the game left back Jimmy Madranda with a 8.9 rating. 97 minutes played, one goal, four total shots, and a 77% pass percentage. Uh, I mean, that was a tough game. U.S. Open Cup, round of 32. The Sounders have won four U.S. Open Cups before. And Brian Smithers has talked about it. You want to win every trophy that we can. You want to win every game you can. Yeah. Uh, but it was tough. I mean, there was a mixed lineup. There were some starters in. There were some younger guys. And you want to rest some guys following uh, that uh, that game. And just the overall week after uh, CCL. Um, it's five years. That marked five years since the Sounders played an Open Cup game at Starfire. Which is kind of fun. Uh, it's the first time since 2006 that neither Seattle or Portland Uh, are among the final 16 teams in the Open Cup. Uh, And just a little thing with the note about penalties. Seattle has lost the last four penalty shootouts since Mm -hmm. their 2016 MLS Cup win, all four coming early in some sort of playoff form, 2018, 2020 in CCL, 2021 in that round, I think round one matchup against Real Salt Lake that I was at, and I thought I was bad luck because of that. (laughs) Um, And then 2022 with this U.S. Open Cup matchup. So... Seems like they're paying the price uh, for winning in penalties sure. in 2016. But at the end of the day, you won CCL, US Open Cup, fine. But now you have to focus up on MLS Cup and winning in the actual league. Right. Um, with that being said, we go back to the scores here. Uh, playing against Minnesota, a team that you are now 11 wins, one draw, and one loss against all time, uh, and have not lost points to them at home. May 15th versus the Minnesota. They go to play them at Lumen Field. A three to one win. All three of those goals coming in the second half. Play of the game midfielder Christian Roldan with a 9.0 rating, 90 minutes played, one goal and one assist. So they really they got back on track this game. Yeah. They got back on track. This is a team that has had one of the worst starts um, to an MLS season in their MLS iteration. And I know that there's, you know, early season Sounders, there's worry about scoring. I think they've scored 13 in their, their last 7 games now. Mm-hmm. But so in 6 of their 10 previous seasons Seattle's had a match at a stretch of 8 games where they averaged uh, 0.88 points per game or worse. So that's you know like around 1 point per game. You want to usually do 1 point per game if you're going to do playoffs. In those seasons They've finished with an average of 55 points. So they're able to turn things around. And I, again, this is one of the deeper rosters in MLS history. I think they'll be able to turn things around. And that started in that second half because they go into halftime down by a goal. I think, oh, shoot, this is the same old right. thing. And then three goals. Um, Christian Rodon draws a foul in the box for a penalty. Raul puts it away. Christian scores a beautiful goal from the top of the box where he was just running parallel to the box and then turned and fired top corner. Um, and then Nico adds one to end the game, put the final nail in the coffin. This is the Sounders that we expect. You know, this is the firepower that we expect to see. They had some defensive miscues uh, after being one of the best defensive teams in the league last year. They played really well defensively in CCL, so I think they'll. You know, this is stuff to work on. You're going to have to work on things throughout the season. Um, but I think this is a good start because looking at it, their next two games are on the road against teams that are sixth and seventh in uh, the Western Conference standings right now. And then you play five games at home. So get through those tough games and then try yeah. to reestablish Lumen Field as a fortress, you know, that it's been for years. Um, so, but this is a good start. I think this is a good starting point. Uh, continuing with re- league-related news, I mean injury-related news, pardon me, on the 13th, Javier Arriaga cleared concussion protocol, which is good to see. But Jackson Reagan was in health and safety protocols. And we know why dealing with the storm, what health and safety usually means. Mm-hmm. So hopefully Jackson's able to deal with that sooner rather than later. Um, but it's it's good to see that the injury report is mostly it's clean. Small, yeah. <laughs> Just obviously with Joe Paulo out for the season, that seeing his name linger around that won't be ideal. But I talk about Christian Roldan. Having his success that he's had this season will be huge. To the success of the sounders as a whole because he's been playing at an mlb caliber level albert rusnak's been playing great in the midfield obed vargas a 16 year old has been playing great so it's just again talking about the deepest roster in the mls you're gonna need those guys to step up and i think that's 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 a luxury yeah obviously you wouldn't like for zhao to be injured but you can somewhat mitigate that um in team related news nothing too big on the 15th due to the yellow card that he earned versus minnesota obed vargas will be suspended for the next game due to yellow card accumulation uh, so he'll be out in that game against houston seattle sits today three wins five loss one draw record uh 11th in the western conference right now they bumped up a few spots uh the next few games over this couple this next week are may 18th at the houston dynamo with a 4:30 p.m kickoff there houston is the sixth seed in the west currently um and then May twenty second at the Colorado Rapids, a five p.m. start. They are the seventh seed in the West. So you got two teams that are, you know, obviously trying to set themselves up for playoff success. And Christian Rodon said it too. You're gonna get every team's best shot. You're the Definitely. Sounders. You just won CCL. Mm-hmm. You've Target. been one of the best teams in American soccer. You're gonna get everyone's team everyone's best shot. So uh with that being said, over, uh we'll send it to the Kraken with not necessarily anything too huge, but It's important stuff, Bill. Uh, What took place over the past week? Yeah,
1: an offseason note here on the 10th, the Kraken will select fourth overall in the 2022 NHL entry draft. So not a bad pick. Um, And then some league news here on the 10th, Montreal Canadiens win the number one overall pick in the 2022 NHL draft lottery. And they are the host city of the draft, Devils number two, Coyotes number three. Um,
0: With that, I just want to point something out really quick. So with all the trades that took place over the trade deadline and then finding out that Seattle will pick fourth, Seattle has um, five picks in the top. No, pardon me. Four picks in the top 60. Uh, Number four, Mm -hmm. obviously, 35, 49, and 56. Um, And then I think they've got a pick at 60. So I guess technically five. Um, But -hmm. it's interesting to see that because I know that Ron Francis, the general manager, talked about it after these trades happened not all of these picks are going to be used. So who will get traded? What picks will get traded? Yeah. Something to think about because I know that there's been talk about wanting this team to compete next year.
1: Do you think we keep, we keep that fourth? Fourth, so, yes. Yeah. I think yeah, four,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, but I think anything after four could be on the table. Sure. Because four, I mean, you still want to continue to build for your future and be set up for long-term success, unlike the Las Vegas Golden Knights and going all in early on to continue to try and – get success really early mm-hmm. on in your franchise's career uh, iteration yeah but i think anything after that could be fair game but just wanted to note that awesome
1: on the 10th um it was also announced that patrick marlowe retires the legendary sharks player calls it a career after 23 Jesus seasons and an nhl record of 1779 games played that's insane so a
0: career three years also uh, three years older than I'm alive. I've been yeah. alive.
1: <laughs> Good career. Um, on the 11th, Oilers defenseman suspended for headbutting. Defenseman Darnell Nurse was banned one game for headbutting Kings forward Philip DeNault. Uh, <laughs> <Jesus. laughs> headbutt? Really? Yeah, that was, it was <laughs> a dumb decision. Um, and on the 16th, Vegas fires their head coach. Las Vegas is letting Pete. De- Debar go after three seasons. The Golden Knights miss playoffs for first time in franchise history this season. Um, as we look ahead here, July 7th would will be round one of the NHL draft. And like we said, we do have that number four pick. Um, July 8th is rounds two through seven. And then July 13th, free agency begins.
0: So yeah, kind of far out there. But that's what we're basically looking forward to next when mm-hmm. it relates to the Kraken um because i mean can't sign anybody until the 13th and then now it's just we're going to kind of look at potential picks so i'm sure that you know as we lead into july we can kind of look at who might be available at number yeah. four and play around with that kind of thing mm-hmm. so uh, with that being said the oil rain over the past week only played one game but as we mentioned last week it's a portland game it's cascadia rivalry it's always important uh no necessarily notable fireworks in mm-hmm. this game there was a zero to zero draw uh played the game goalkeeper Fallon Tillis joy, so we'll get to more Fallon here in a bit. Uh she recorded an 8.3 rating in 90 minutes played recording six saves. Not, you know, as I mentioned, a lot of these Cascadia rivalry matchups include a lot of fireworks there's a lot going on. There's notable headlines. It's like, oh, there's always a spectacle to yeah. it. This was a more relaxed game and I'm okay with coming out splitting the points with Portland here because it's really tough to go into Portland and play at Providence Park. They have a pretty decent size. Uh, support group down there, and Portland's a well-made roster, and they've been a well-made. They were first in the regular season last year, and um, in WSL they didn't make the final, um, but they they were at the top of the standings, and it was kind of the rain and the uh, thorns, kind of jockeying yeah. for that position the last few weeks of the year. Um, so I'm okay splitting points down with Portland down there. When they come up here, it's a different it's a different story. But playing down there in Portland, I'm okay with splitting the points. Um. In injury-related news, on the 13th for the injury mar- report against Portland, nobody was on it at all, which is good to see. I, w- I want to note, though, a lot of people are like, oh, Megan Rapinoe wasn't on it. She wasn't on it last week either. So I don't know if we're following along with the rain as well as we should be. We were letting you know she wasn't on injury report last week. So this isn't anything necessarily <laughs> new. She did record notable minutes in this game. Last week, she was on injury report, but she only played – uh for the penalties uh, yeah. in that game against washington but um it was good to see her play meaningful minutes i know that's some that's something she's building towards so uh in team related news on the 10th we had four rain players named to the nwsl challenge cup all-tournament team including goalkeeper fallon tillis joyce defenders alana cook and sophia huerta midfielder rose lavelle uh, so four players uh were the most in the league uh, selected to the all-tournament team so good to see that there. just would have liked to see the rain play in the final if they hadn't been screwed Mm -hmm. (laughs) um continuing with the news related to fallon on the 12th the league awards uh fallon her fourth nwsl save of the week uh for the penalty kick save that she had against the spirit in that shootout and we will shoot that over to you right about now
1: save
0: first save of this shootout And Tullis Joyce opens the door for O.L. Reign to win it on the next shooter. Tullis Joyce read it the whole way in all game phase for Tullis Joyce. Yeah, her expression has not changed throughout this shootout. yeah and we could like bell just said she's she's been having a season i think that's four in what like six seven weeks Mm -hmm. i mean that's obviously majority so that's really good to see and again i'll always admit leading into the season i was wrong i was wrong i was worried i was cautious but she continues to uh continues to play well so excited to see obviously what her career entails with her this really being the first year that she's seeing notable minutes um But obviously, really wanted to note that there that she earned that award for the fourth time. Um, And then on the 13th, acknowledging people in awards, uh, the team recognized Ford Bethany Balser for hitting 50 regular season appearances with the club. So Bethany, a winning rookie of the year, I believe in 2019, um, has been an incredible offensive player, uh, getting close to the most goals scored last season in the league. Uh, and beating the leading I believe she was a leading goal scorer for the club last year so Bethany has been she was actually my first rain interview that I ever did awesome. um, so I want to recognize Bethany there she's been a great part of this club and she's been really outspoken about mental health uh, which is always really cool to see with anybody that's on any of our teams so uh, continuing here in league related news the NWSL hired Dr. Sydney Chang as the league's first chief medical officer mm-hmm. so Again, as the league continues to try and grow and try to, you know, treat their players as yeah. well as they need to be having a medical officer or something that, you know, it's a good step to see. Um, so keeping it moving, looking ahead, the rain records sits at zero wins, two draws and one loss in NWSL play, 10th in the NWSL table they will play a sort of grudge match on the 22nd versus the Washington Spirit Spirit at home with a 3 p.m. start. Obviously, I say that because last week they played the Spirit twice in the Challenge Cup semifinal and in the regular season opener, losing both of those Mm -hmm. games. So some way to exact some revenge there. With that being said, we look over to our Seawolves, who are a little bit later in their season, gunning for a playoff spot, playing a team that's in a playoff position. Uh, And how did that really go for them bell what are we looking at here
1: i believe we mentioned last week that that would be a tough matchup for them they did play rugby new york on the 15th and that was a loss of 22 to 30 our player of the game is fly half aj
0: Alatimu.
1: one try scored one goal kick 154 kicking meters and five total points um were you there at that one
0: that was in new york so i wasn't (laughs) um yeah that was that was tough seattle kept it close for most of the game um and New York just kept responding. Yeah. It's like it, there's games like that where you're like it's like almost an underdog. Hey, we're still in the fight. We're still in the fight. But answer, answer, answer. Um, it, it was it's tough. This is a team now that we know with that loss they don't control their own destiny. You got to start looking at scoreboards. starts. Start, hey, got to start watching, and we'll look at it when we get to the upcoming with the different where the positioning is in the standings, but. Before it ends, I want to say that this is a big improvement over the last two seasons that they've had. But obviously, you you know, as the two time reigning champ, well, as a two time champs to begin the MLR's existence, you'd like to uphold that. You'd like to yeah. continue that success. Um, just tough how it's gone.
1: Uh, moving on to some team news here. On the 10th, the team recognizes Captain Reichert heading for for achieving 50 caps. He's the second player in club history to reach the mark and 11th player in league history. Um, also on the 10th, I'm going to ask you for help on this name because I do not like messing up names. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, That one's kind of tough. Liona uh... Futi. I think that's okay. it. that's <laughs> probably the best. That was what I would go with.
1: And Duncan Matthews named to best 15 players of the week of Seawolves' history qu- historic win over Dallas. On the 15th, the team recognized J.P. Smith for achieving 50 caps. He's the third player in club history to reach the mark, of course, after heading, and 15th in league history to reach the mark. So congratulations to him.
0: Cool there to see two guys yeah. who you know, have been with the club as long as they have and to i mean stay with one team because obviously like in any sport if you stay with one team for a certain amount of time obviously someone wants to be there right yeah you know so good to recognize that and some uh, i was really intrigued to see this league news i don't know about you but this is kind of cool because the usa is kind of the newer kids on the block when it comes to rugby so
1: sure um usa named as host of a rugby world what's that supposed to say (laughs) Rugby World Cup. Men's Rugby World Cup will be in 2031. Women's Rugby World Cup in 2033. Um, And then moving on to our standings and record here, the team sits at a seven and seven record. They are now fifth in the Western Conference with 36 points, eight points behind second place, five points behind third place and one point behind fourth place.
0: So, yeah, I mean, you look at it there, the top three teams in each conference make it. So you have to gun for third. You can't care about being one behind fourth. You have to gun for third there. Um, Yeah.
1: Looking ahead here, they will be uh, hosting the Houston Sabercats on the 27th at 7.30 p.m. Uh, Houston currently sits at third in west for final playoff spot with 41 points.
0: So you're playing the team that you're looking up at. Yep. And, you know, to catch them, you have to. With a bonus point, you had to kind of beat them handily. So yeah. you're going to need, like with that re- game against Dallas, you're going to need another great performance. So we'll see if they're able to do that. Um, as we head over to wrap it up with star of the week, uh, both of them are Storm players, but yeah. we went with different people. I want to see why you went with Ezzy today.
1: Um, because I was glad to be at the block party. <laughs> um, Ezzy had four in the first quarter, and she ended that game with six. And again, that... Seven. Was it seven? Yep. She ended with seven. And of course, that was um, a defensive game all around. But as did a great job in just keeping her spot, making sure to help with Tina Charles and of course, putting up her own stats.
0: So. Yeah. And I mean, you talk about as as many as she did have. I think seven is the most since Lauren Jackson did it back in 2017. So Lauren Jackson, a Hall of Famer one and the only player that's got her number retired in storm history which will change soon. yeah um but it was one off from the franchise uh high of eight yes. which was again lauren jackson so that was really great to see and as he again uh a great defensive game mm-hmm. and someone that's going to continue to grow and get better and she's relatively young and i i was really i was like oh shoot you know i looked down once and she's blocking a ball at the top of the key by tina charles and bringing it down, uh, for the other end of the court. Right. I was, yeah, totally fair. Um, I went with one of her teammates with Jewel Lloyd, uh, Jewel, I mean, last season was incredible, continued to, she had a career year last year, not only offensively, but on the defensive side of the ball mm-hmm. and was really able to kind of carry the load when Stewie was out, when Sue was out at times, um, obviously you wouldn't like to have her do that because you want to see a more concentrated team effort um but i think she's kind of picked up where she's left off i mean i would really like to again get her more support around the lineup uh but she's been somebody who continues to light it up and is definitely i think it's 1a and 1b with her and stewie for face of the Mm -hmm. franchise right now obviously Mm -hmm. sue's getting her flowers and all that but you would like for those two to lead this franchise going forward i would hope you know but she's she's really picking up uh, where she left off, I thought. So, yeah. Uh, do you have any thoughts I as do. we look over the past week?
1: Yeah, I'm just I'm going to comment on the jewel Lloyd here because. I noticed that um, she was more aggressive in the second half of the game and um, not much you can do about Diana Taurasi scoring, but she had some great words about Jewel and just mentioned how dominant she can be and how she can take over in the game whenever she wants. Um, and that really seemed like it came in the second half, like she knew she had to produce, especially with how we mentioned Sue Bird wasn't uh, completely in her element and yeah, just a great couple of games here for jewel so
0: so you know with that being said the things continue to chug along here and we continue to have you covered uh as someone just put in there and always thank your uh people behind the camera for all the work that they continue to put in um check out the uh at under me for all our social media circling seattle sports on Instagram, Circling Sports, on Twitter, uh, Circling Seattle Sports, on Facebook. Uh, head to the Converge blog site to see all of the blogs that we continue to put up for Mariners, Storm, and more as we continue it. A uh, ton of content that we're putting out for you guys. So uh, with that being said, we will see you next week uh, for another episode of Circling Seattle Sports. Until then, do the best that you can to make today a great day. And damn, it's been a beautiful day out today mm-hmm. already. So.